Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Joining me today, um, one of my favorite guests, somebody who I have awkwardly but not criminally stalked around the internet on some other podcasts, Tom St. Louis, who has some awesome insight to share. For those of you that don't know Tom, Tom has cracked the code on why people refer. Instead of getting one or even no referrals from clients, Tom will show us how to get more and how to get your referrers to send another three, five, or 10 cases. Tom, I, uh, that's actually how I first met you, not through a referral, but through you talking about that on another podcast. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. What else do we want to tell everybody for those people that don't already know you? Um, well, I help lawyers and I figured out that lawyers like clients and I figured that the lawyers are the most aggressive competitors for clients. Not a, the, the, that category it used to be the yellow. I started with the yellow pages and these were the guys with the double truck ads. So I said, okay, I want, I like, I can sell ads. What do these guys need? And they had terrible ads. So I figured out how to sell ads to lawyers. I figured out how to make ads that would make the phone ring for lawyers. And then I started licensing ads all over the place. And then Google came and basically killed it dead, killed the yellow pages dead. But I thought, you know, what do lawyers need more than anything? All, they all went into internet advertising. So now they're first off, they're advertising. Then they go into internet advertising. And the one thing in common with all the clients you pull from those methods is they're unconnected people. If they had an Uncle Jimmy, you know, they get injured, they call Uncle Jimmy and they say, hey, Uncle Jimmy, I'm in the hospital. Oh, my God, I've got the guy. And then the perfect guy comes because, you know, they're connected. So all the people who aren't connected have to go to Google or have to go to a TV ad and then they're scared and they call a lawyer. So I said, what's the matter here? Why aren't people speaking up? Why aren't, if lawyers are good, why aren't their clients bringing them all the cases they need? And, and why aren't the families of the people who've been helped by those law firms, why aren't they making sure that all their friends are looked after? There's a big disconnect there. And Google's not filling in the gap. So I, I made it my business to figure out why people don't refer. And the strange fact is there's some really good law firms and law firms as a group have improved immensely in the last 25 years. There's been a super acceleration of care and being responsive and creating agreements for how to be responsive. And these things didn't exist 30 years ago. And even still, even with all that, you have a top flight law firm as very kind staff is really mindful of how to connect and how to be kind, does a great job setting expectations for the settlement gets a nice settlement, delivers it in a very, very kind way, makes sure that the client knows that they would love to get some referrals and does it in a very clumsy and ineffective way, unfortunately, and then don't get any referrals. So if you're a great law firm, you're probably not going to get many referrals. You're prob most of your clients will never refer. The vast majority of your best clients who love you and appreciate you will never refer. And that's a funny fact. All right. So we're going to dive into how we crack that referral code and change that. Uh, before we do this, though, I want to share our previous episodes. So once you're done hearing the wonderful insight from Tom here, go ahead and listen to our last episode. That aired with Nick B. Bonitatibus. I think I got that right, Nick. Please let me know. About how to leverage social media and video marketing to generate leads. But enough about that. I want to I learn more about this referral code, um, having listened to Tom, but knowing that there's always more stuff to learn. But here's where I want to start, Tom. What is a referral? I think that's the initial question that we need okay. to answer here. I'll tell you what it's not, and I'll tell you what it is. A referral is not just a lead. A referral is a case that you caught from somebody who knows how good you are. 
So if a client sends their friend and your friend signs a retainer with your firm, that's a referral because your client knows how good you are. If your staff brings in their mother or their sister or their uncle and you sign up that person, a referral is a case that you caught from somebody who knows who, how good you are, who you happen to employ. And then there's also uh, referrals among lawyers where one lawyer refers another lawyer and they usually get a, a fee and yet they refer somebody because they know how good you are. So this is not somebody who tags you on Facebook. This is not somebody telling you, I told so-and-so to call. This is like that actual connection directly coming from somebody else. It's your case. You look at your cases and you say, where, where did they come from? So it's one of the cases you got. All right. So, and I love, I love how you started this. I love that concept of just because you're a great law firm doesn't mean you're going to get referrals because that's so true. And, and I think there's a, I think being a great law firm is the table stakes to getting referrals, but it's not the end all be all. Do you agree with me on that? I agree with that. Okay. Because people conflate goodwill with a referral program. You know, it's if, if they know me, if they like me and they trust me, I've done all I can. If I take really good care of them, they'll take really good care of me. And there's the tragic error right there. Under, un, pardon me, embedded in that mentality, the goodwill is the referral program is we're doing something nice for them and they're going to do something nice for me. And it's in the language. Whenever a lawyer or uh, at the end of the case or even at the beginning of the case, they say, and by the way, if you ever bump into somebody who's been injured and needs a lawyer, make sure to tell them, like, make sure to give them one of my cards. Yeah, I'll give you three cards. If somebody ever tell them about me. So there's everything is wrong with that. That's the most popular referral script in the world. And it's the most ineffective referral script in the world. And it's based on the assumption of reciprocity. And it's based on the notion that if is going to result in something coming to mind in 383 days, which it won't. So how do we, I, I think we need to talk about how we flip that script immediately. And then I think we can talk about where to work that in. But from the very beginning, it sounds like don't make it about us. So we have to make it about them or we have to make it about the referral, the referee. Well, ideal. Okay. So people do a thing because they're motivated enough to do it. People do a thing because in their brain, there's enough space at that time for that event. You know, Because right now you're looking at me and I'm looking at you. It's a human possibility that I could wander off and I could look out the window and see the blue sky and then forget everything. And look, you know, those are one of the stimuli that's available to me. There are many stimuli available at any given time. So how you frame things is what gets a person to select within that frame. And so what, when you say to somebody, if you know anybody who's hurt, send them my way, what they're saying is, do me a solid, bro. Hey, I took good care of you, take good care of me. And people will tend not to remember that and they'll tend not to take action on that. And if they ever should take action on that, it'll be the one and only time. On the other hand, if you say, Let's make sure that your people are taken care of. Now, if you understand, here's a person who's unconnected and they're injured and they go to work and their company doctor is screwing them around and their boss is now treating them really, really weird. And their insurance company is giving them a run around and they're scared, they're vulnerable, they're hurt. And just in the moment of their hurt, they're getting hurt again by, by authority figures who are supposed to be helping and supporting them by an insurance company that entered into a covenant to offer protection. And now in their moment of need of protection, they're being screwed around by that authority figure with so much power who's breaking their covenant with them, which is perplexing and it makes them vulnerable. And especially, you know, men, you know, big, strong working men, they've taken care of everything their whole life and now they're vulnerable. There's nothing they can do. They're scared. They're freaked out. And they go, oh my God, I got to call a lawyer, right? And lawyers have a bad reputation in the back of the mind of people who don't know much about lawyers. They have assumptions about lawyers. <clears throat> so 
referring can mean let's make sure that the people you care about don't have to go through what you you just went through. So that person is scrabbling up on the shelf. They meet a lawyer, and the lawyer happens to be a wonderful, kind, compassionate person. The lawyer says, look, our whole team is going to go to work taking care of you. We're going to take care of this. Here's how we work. And they have a good intake process. Here's what we expect from you. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're responsible for. And, and when it comes to the fees, you don't have to worry. You don't have to pay us un until you win. You, you don't have to accept a settlement that's not a good enough settlement. And we'll tell you what to expect and what, what all the factors are. So when it comes to that, if we bring a settlement to you that fulfills all the criteria we've agreed on, you should accept it. That means you won. So a law firm has to do a lot. And then the law firm can leverage that by saying, and I want you to know, this is, by the way, this is a referral contract. I want you to know that anytime somebody that you care about is in a situation like you are now no longer in, that we can make sure they're taken care of. You know, you can have them call me or you can call me. You'll do that, won't you? And the person says, well, of course I will. And you say, well, thank you. That's really wonderful. And it's when that person starts to indicate that they will protect their friends, they will extend that protection, that's when you can start to shine the light on them and how they're a wonderful benefactor of other people. Those other people are now connected. Do you understand? Now they're Uncle Jimmy. Now they're going to hook people up to that wonderful service that's going to help them when they're being mistreated by these authorities that's, that are breaking their covenant. Those so in essence, so we've got the law firm, we've got the law firm's current client. And the problem is too many attorneys are like, hey, you send me more people. But really what we're talking about is taking that person to their friends and the law firm saying, hey, do you want to help these people get great service? Right. And, and the, it, it goes to the brain. It goes to the reticular activation system. So what people don't believe, if you were to tell them, and I'll, I'll roll back the bus. I got a call from a law firm one time, and, they, and the guy saw me talk at an ATLA conference back when the AAJ was called ATLA, Boston 2004. <clears throat> Pardon me. And the guy said to me, can you help me get my employees to send more cases? And I said, employees? Well, why not your clients? He said, well, maybe later, I don't know, but help me with my employees, would you? I said, well, I'd have to talk to them to see what's in their head. He says, okay, so I fly down there and I spend a whole day chatting with the employees and it's a very well-run firm. It's a firm with continuous improvement, continuous training. They've got beautiful materials. They've got well-thought-out processes, very serious about everything. I ended up doing a lot of, of work with that firm. And when I interviewed the employees, they all said pretty much the same thing. They said, well, I would love, I mean, I love the law firm. I think we do a great job. I'd love to bring in a case. And no, I haven't. If I ever have an opportunity, I surely will. But I don't happen to travel in circles where it's likely that I would come across somebody like that. But I would if I could. And so I went to the boss. I said, it's a reticular activation system. Their brain is not set to notice. And so I'll give you a brief example of uh, how the reticular activation system works. Yes, if please. You, if you buy a red car and you start driving around your town, you'll start saying, holy geez, I had no idea there's so many red cars in this town. Or you might think everyone's buying a red car suddenly just because I did. I know a nice guy, a very nice guy, and he, his father passed away. And for some reason, he associates his father with dimes. And he finds dimes all the time. And every time he finds a dime, he posts on Facebook, and he thinks it's a cosmic message for his father to him. You know, here, dad is speaking to me again. And he can find an amazing number of dimes. Because, there, you know, there are a lot of dimes around that most people don't see. There's a guy from the far north who's a woodsman and a hunter and a fisher and all that sort of thing. And I don't live in Toronto anymore. But when he used to come to Toronto, he'd say, I can't believe how much wildlife is everywhere in Toronto. And people are like, are you crazy? He sees them everywhere. The other people don't see them. They're just, their brain is not tuned to seeing them. So 
a person is not okay. A person is not tuned to notice, and they're not tuned to speak up. So when a referral happens, it's because two things happen. Number one, the person notices the opportunity, and number two, they associate pleasure. And there's a great pleasure in making a significant contribution to another person. And there's also a great pleasure in being recognized for making a significant contribution to another person. So the referral program is really the way of training people's subconscious minds to associate great significant pleasure to making sure their friends are going to be helped in legal need. And when they do that, they get rewarded because they're making a significant contribution to another person. And we have very few ways to get those feelings. So let's roll back to the referral contract. I want you to know that whenever anybody you care about is in a situation like you were in, that we've gotten you out of, that you're safe now, okay? We've gotten you taken care of. We're going to get you to a beautiful settlement. We're, we're going to take, but if you ever come across, sorry, I never say yes. Whenever, anytime you come across somebody who's in the circumstances that you were in, let's make sure they're taken care of, okay? And the person says, yes. And that's the beginning of it. And there's a lot more than you can do, but you build from that moment, from that agreement. And then when you catch them doing it, that's when you really have to do something. And what you'll find is law firms have the thing that they do when they get a referral and they don't look to see if it's working. And the reason why they don't look to see it's, that it's working is they don't know that this thing called a double digit referral exists. So they just think you're going to get one and you, you send them a nice gift and then it's over. And it is over because they do that. But there is a thing called a double digit referrer and it goes completely to how you respond when somebody does that thing. So I've got a question between that, between that making that contract and the rewarding them for the referral, is there anything else you need to do to really activate that part of the brain? Okay. I call it the referral contract and it's based in a social psychology principle called commitment and consistency. So you say, it's from the book Cialdini, The Influence, The Science of Persuasion, Robert Cialdini. It's sort of his breakthrough book where he shows that there's six, is it a six? Uh, compliance triggers. There's six ways that we're hardwired to go right past our conscious mind and our rational processes and go right on through to yes. So commitment and consistency is, a, is an influence tool that's extremely powerful. So you say to that person, I want you to know anytime, anybody you know, blah, blah, blah. You'll make sure we'll make sure they're looked after. The person says, yes, yes, I will. And then you'd say, you, you will. That's wonderful. They say, yes, of course. Now what you might say, because you've got an agreement. Suppose you send a letter to that person and say, it's really wonderful that you're the kind of person who would make sure your friends are taken care of. I appreciate that so much. And just as a token of my esteem, I just want to recognize you with this, you know, if your bar association would let you, here's a Starbucks card, here's a little tchotchke. Thank you so much. Now you're invoking reciprocity in advance and they feel hardwired to reciprocate, but the referral is not grounded in recipro reciprocity, if you know what I mean. Which is interesting because I think from the Florida bar perspective, you'd have an easier time sending them something in advance of any referral than sending them something afterwards, but right. that's just our, uh, our random state rule. Another thing you can do is I call it, the co I call it a, um, assigning identity or conferring identity. You could say to the client, I've gotten some lawyers to do that. You need to have a lawyer who's confident in learning persuasion frames because some lawyers like to be free and loose and just make it up as they go along. Like in other words, they like to use all their RAM all day. But if you don't mind having um, preset set pieces, this is a powerful set piece where you confer the following identity. You say, you know, Joe, I just wanted to say we have two kinds of clients and we love them both. 
And the second kind is a little more special. And let me tell you how it works. Most of our clients come to us and they're injured and they really need our help. And we do our best for them. We get them a great settlement. We treat them nice. They appreciate it. They thank us. Wonderful. And then they go off and they pretty well, you know, they, they, we try to stay in touch, but that's, that's, the, that's the deal. The second kind of client, though, is special to us. And, and in many ways, it's the same. They come injured and they really need our help. And we work with them closely and we, you know, get them their settlement. And the thing that's special about them is they don't just go off and disappear. They make sure other people are taken care of. They pay it forward and make sure their brother is looked after. They make sure their cousin or the person at work is. And I, I call them their, our battlers. Joe, I think you might be one of our battlers. So you can find, you can confer an identity and you keep praise on that identity. And in their I am, which is the most powerful part of a person, they go, oh yeah, I am one of the battlers. And that's one of the things that would cause you to notice. So, all right, so we're, we're building up that mentality. We get the referral from that battler that we've talked into it, that agreed to the contract that, you know, that we uh, were consistent in, in explaining that to them. Then what? Well, if you catch them doing it, the most important thing is not to say, thank you for giving me what I want. I like having clients and you've given me one. Now, please give me another because that makes it about you and what you're getting. But what you do is you, you say, thank you so much for looking after your friend. You're amazing. Not a lot of people would do that. So I wanted to thank you. I'm going to take wonderful care of your friend. And I just want to let you know that I appreciate so much that you're the kind of person who would make sure their friends are taken care of because not everybody would do that. Yeah, I mean, it's so we've got, let's say, 400 million people in the country, you know, and I'm sure there's a small percentage of that that take the time to help other people when they can't do it directly. I mean, here's somebody literally going out of their way to make sure someone they care about is getting helped. And then you've got 1.3 million attorneys and they pick you as the one to receive that help. And to me, it's just like, it's phenomenal that any referrals happen from a statistic standpoint. I mean, it's so low that you really have to yeah. have that buy-in. There's a lot of just, there's a lot of competition for our attention. So for something to really, you know, your name gets your attention. If you're in a, in a foreign airport in the middle of the night and you're tired and jet lagged and there's all kinds of noise and carts are going backwards and forwards and somebody's going beep and a baby's crying or whatever. And then a person in a foreign accent on a, on a scratchy PA with terrible pronunciation says your name. You wake right on up and you're like, you know, it's, it's got all your attention. So it's possible to program the reticular activation system in the midst of a tremendous storm of distractions to come to 100% attention. That's a possibility. And what does it do that for? Well, it does it for your name, your identity and your survival for sure. But it also will do that for other things. And things, the, the, the amazing thing is if I said it to a lawyer this way, I wonder if they spark, it would spark their interest. If you had a way to give feelings to your clients, if you had a way to, to give feelings to your ex-clients that would give them more meaning in their life than even their own job, would you want to do it? What if I could show you how to give feelings to your clients that are even bigger than their marriage and their family? Would you be interested if that if the doing of that would cause them to bring you cases? So you imagine Maslow's hierarchy that the bottom rung is physical needs. You know, I got food, I got shelter. The next rung up is safety. There's a lock on the door. We have a police service in here. We're not living in a, in a, in a madhouse. The next um, level is love and family. So a lot of people, uh, love and family is the absolute apex, right? It's in all the pop, it's in Hollywood movies, it's in songs. Just Molly and me and baby makes three, we're happy in my blue heaven, right? 
What could be better than my blue heaven? I just want someone to love. I just want someone to love me. I've dreamed of having a child and living in a little house with a white picket fence, right? That's the dream. So that's level number three. Guess what's higher than that? Self-actualization. Self-actualization is higher than that. And also um, kudos and credit. What, ah, what okay. So in other words, you can give somebody that feeling of, of winning a human rights prize. And that actually is higher on the hierarchy than Molly and me and Baby Makes Three. So the most significant feeling that people will do anything for is being recognized for their contribution to others. And that's the whole grounding of the referral program. They're, you know, it's a significant contribution they can make to others for which they can receive acknowledgement and praise. That's the sweet spot. I mean, it sounds like so much of that part, whether it's whether it's a former client, an employee, another lawyer, whatever it is, it doesn't seem like that part has to change because you're still giving them this awesome kudos for their amazing work and getting that referral over to you. Right. So is it so so where is the difference between a client referral and employee referral and other lawyer referral? Is that in how you find them? Is that in how you you know create that sense in them to to have that? aha moment or the way, the way I suggest you motivate employees to notice, because basically what you're doing is you're programming the subconscious mind of a group, right? So um, if you ever watch the Jerry Lewis telethon or, or those telethons, they have the temperature meter going up. Like we want to hit 200 million and we're at 150 million. And there's three hours left. So, Oh, there we got to call. We got to call. Let's move it on up. Let's move it on up. Let's move it all up. And they're talking to the group of everybody's watching. Come on, we have to pull together to make that red thing reach the thing. And they always reach the thing. So now, if you were to take your employees, not your lawyers, but your staff, and break it into two groups, I call this King Kong versus Godzilla. And you put a charismatic leader in charge of one team and another charismatic leader in charge of another team, and then they vie for who brings in the most referrals, who brings in the biggest case. There's big rewards. There's big acknowledgement. You know, I have a client in... Um, Louisville, Daryl the Hammer, he, um, he's, he advertises the Super Bowl every year. And when they get a referral from the staff, they bring this hammerhead shark over to them. And it's sort of like a phalanx of people chanting some crazy thing. And it's the kind of thing that an employee would say, oh, I never want that to happen. I'd be too embarrassed. I'm never going to refer. Oh, crap. I referred. Oh, God, they're doing it. Oh, I got, I have the hammerhead shark at my desk. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. And then they do it again. Oh, please don't. Oh, no. Right? It's acknowledgement. It's public. It's embarrassing. It gives you feelings. And then at the end, when one team wins, I mean, there's trash talking. There's a chance for humiliation. And there's a chance for exaltation. Big feelings, right? I should mention the Maya Angelou quote that I always refer to. Maya Angelou says, you know, people may forget what you did. They may forget. They may forget. They may remember, they may, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. So it's unforgettable feelings and important feelings that it's all about. So when you have employee groups um, competing, it gets their attention focused, it makes them notice, and it makes them willing. And those are the only two factors in a referral. What is going to make someone notice and what is going to make them willing? What's going to make them notice and willing is big feelings of significance and contribution or feelings of astonishment or feelings of conquest or feelings of humiliation that you want to avoid or you know, I, I had a friend, and uh, he was a pretty good racquetball player, and it was touch and go. So I, I said, okay, let's play a series, and the loser of the series has to go to the other guy's house and wash his kitchen floor with a mop and pail, right? I I was so motivated not to wash that guy's kitchen floor. I'm telling you, man, it cranked my – like, and he was motivated too. But I don't know. Like, there was no way that I was going to mop that guy's floor, right? So humiliation can also be a driver but it's big feelings that get your mind focused.
but it's i mean it sounds like that works great for an internal team but like i don't you can't really do that for you know if you've got 20 referral sources or if you've got 100 clients like i mean can you, you can't really pit them against each other though can you no no you don't do that with employees okay. although with clients it's a cooperative thing and yet no actually the answer is you can subtly because once you have referrers then you can have um, recognition events. And this is when you drive the feelings to much higher levels. Do I have enough time to tell you a little story about how this whole, this whole thing came to me? Yeah, we got 30 more minutes if you need. Okay. So I had a client in Philadelphia back in the day, and I was explicitly trying to figure out how referrals work. And I was operating under the assumption that referrals is an extension of goodwill and referrals is about being top of mind. One day I stopped and I said, how can you expect something to stay top of mind when we're when we're taking in billions and billions and billions of bits of data in an hour and you haven't seen somebody in a year what do you mean top of mind that's ridiculous it's just an absurd un something that nobody ever even thought of for four seconds so you can't stay top of mind the question is how can you come rushing to the fore right your name if you're in a foreign airport that causes you to come rushing to the fore but what else works so i'm you know i'm i'm priming my own brain to figure this out you know i'm giving myself messages to my own subconscious mind saying this is what i want to figure this is what i want to figure out and i got a clue which is okay what we want to do is we want to bring in the top referrers of this law firm that gets a lot of referrals this law firm did parties they did certain things they were in workers comp they had a lady in the spanish community she brought in 50 cases there was a lot of clues there but i wanted to have the best insight so i said let's get the top referrers of all time and get them in a room and I'll interview them for the, for a day. <clears throat> and so uh, before the event, the data lady called me and she said, okay, I've got a guy here. He hasn't sent a case in seven years, but seven years ago, he sent a whole bunch of cases. Do you want to talk? I said, oh yeah, you know, send a car, do whatever you have to do. So they filled a room with some people and one by one, I interviewed them on camera. And what I was doing was debriefing them about the experience of their journey to justice and how it affect their identity, their soul, their I am, their relationship with their kid, their aspirations, the whole thing. But it was a pretty deep interview. And after interviewing all the people individually, I put them in pairs and, and then had a boardroom thing. And it was a group interview. And it was a whole day. It was really great. The food was good. And at the end of it, everyone felt good. And we thought, wait, we learned some good stuff. And I thought, boy, with the transcript of this, I'm going to extract the lexicon of the referrer and, you know, all that. It was good. But two weeks later, one of the partners called me and he said, you won't believe what's happening. I said, okay, what? He says, they're referring like crazy. I said, oh, fantastic. And he said, no, no, no. They're referring at a higher rate than ever before. You ever have that thing when your brain, there's something that, what? Wait a second. Wait a second. The top referrers of all time, who you haven't seen for years, get together for a little hugging and a little chatting and a little registration of their feelings and a little becoming aware of how this whole set of events affected their I am and suddenly they're noticing more and they're more willing than ever before. That's the reticular activation system. And we've just discovered a fifth gear or maybe there are nine gears. I don't know, but we just discovered a higher gear in the, in the reticular activation system. And that was a really massive clue for me. So back to people competing. Um, once you have referrers and once you tell them how amazing they are, and once you show them the proper appreciation, once you make it about how amazing they are to help other people, then you have uh, recognition events. So you invite all these people and they, they come to the recognition event. And then you have, you know, you have a nice food, a nice environment, you make them all feel special and welcome. And then you have them come up and they shake the hands of the big dog TV advertising lawyer. 
you know, the uh, when you hand out the plaque and you shake hands and the person gets their picture with the plaque and there's a professional photographer there. And then two weeks later in the mail arrives a nice framed photo showing them receiving their plaque. And then you've, you, you take videos and photos of that whole thing. Then you circulate that information through the database of clients. So everyone who is there, wow, what a great time we had. So great to see you there. Here's you and all the other community service award winners. Okay. To the people who said they were coming, couldn't make it. The people who were invited and didn't make it. Dang, wish you could have been here. Look at the wonderful images of people receiving their community service awards. I hope you can make it next time because we want to recognize your contribution. Right? What is the subconscious mind? Is it engaged? Is engagement deepened? Do they attend? I think so. And then there's the whole rest of the population who've never given a referral who are going like, what? Community service awards? How does you get that? What? Oh, they sent their friend. And their brain goes, oh, I want some of those groovy feelings. How do I get those groovy feelings? Notice the opportunity to send a friend. So you're programming the subconscious mind of a group to notice and to be willing. And you can do that with groups by, it's sort of competitive. It's not competitive in the way it is with employees, but you know, you see the principle that's driving it. I just, I love that concept though, because it's, it's true. Like we want this feeling of belonging. And so here we are, you know, as a client that's never referred anybody seeing these, you know, 10 or 15 people get, you know, a 30 cent piece of paper and, uh, and, you know, one step above a Polaroid. No, it I really think, does. I think you should go at least 60 cents on a piece of paper. Uh, fair enough. There we go. We'll get a extra, extra hard stock. Yeah, really, yeah. Do you remember the movie, Jerry Maguire? Yep. Rod Tidwell was a beautifully talented guy and he had a glorious rapport with his wife. Man, they loved each other so much, right? But he was petulant and angry about football that wasn't you know, giving him the recognition he wanted. And his manager, Jerry Maguire, challenged him and said, Rod, you know, bring your heart into the game. And Rod was so inflamed and insulted and angry. And, you know, and Jerry was hanging by a string, right? And Jerry took a big risk with his one client and Rod was just about to cut him loose. Anyway, then Ron go Rod goes and has that amazing game and he makes an amazing touchdown and he gets a knock in the head and they think he's dead and the whole world shuts down and there's Rod lying on the on the field. Do you remember all this? And then Rod sort of comes back to life and everything is glory and, and exaltation. And after the game, there's a press gaggle around Rod and Rod is like on fire and the media is loving him and he's getting love like never before. And then he goes, hey, something's missing. Where's Jerry? Jerry's my here. agent. Right? So then he's standing there with Jerry, okay? And just outside the shot of the press conference in the movie is, um, what's the name of that quarterback? Like a big-time quarterback? Uh, I don't remember. Some guy. A big, real... I, and the, the nemesis of Jerry Maguire, Bob Sugar, says, oh, come over here. And he, try, rock, he tries to hug the quarterback, and the quarterback pushes him away like, it's not that way with us. So that's what it is. It's sort of, you know, breathing on the frosted glass and saying, I want that feeling. I want that rapport. I want to be special to that special person. I want to be in that charm circle. That's the vibe that you can create with a client recognition party. That's awesome. All right. So um, anything else along that lines? Otherwise, I want to change gears to that sort of building referral sources from other lawyers, other centers of influence for a little bit. Okay. Go to, go to the other thing. Okay. So... The question I get the most frequently, and I should say the question I get, the question I come across, you know, obviously you've got a lot of attorneys out there trying to build that book of business, trying to build that, those relationships, trying to do all those things who are like, how do I, how do I get other lawyers to refer to me? How do I build that with those, you know, centers of influence, the community? What's the difference between them and the employees and clients when it comes to everything you're talking about here? Okay. 
The first thing to know, of course, is they do it for money. So they're going to get a nice chunk. And the downside of that is it because what's bigger than money? Nothing could be bigger than money. Well, feelings are bigger than money. Duh. You know, and I'll give you a funny example. I was in Philadelphia at that law firm that I was mentioning where we did that um, referral day. And we were talking about some strategy thing. I was talking with the two partners. And it was like $5,000 to do that. Should we do it? I don't know. But, but, but it's a lot of money, whatever. And then just at that time, one of the assistants came in and said, Larry, can you sign off on this thing? And it was a $48,000 check as the referral fee to one of the lawyers that sent a case. The 30% of the fee was $48,000. And I remember thinking, isn't that funny? The $48,000 just goes out like nothing. And they're right there agonizing over where to spend $5,000 on a thing. So it's the same with lawyers. Like, I know I can get $48,000 if I extend myself and make sure this person has Larry's protection. But does that mean that my reticular activation system is seeing every possibility? No, because there's higher gears of the reticular activation system. So your question to me is how do we access the higher gears in the reticular activation system with lawyers for whom, yes, the money is a motivation, but the money does, make, does not make them notice all the opportunities to refer. What would make them notice more opportunities to refer? And of course, it goes again to the relationship. It goes again to how you recognize that lawyer. And what I suggest people do, I call it the Astonish Program. And it's based on, um, there's a questionnaire in Harvey McKay's book, the Harvey McKay 66. And I can relate this back to, I had a friend in Toronto who back in the day used to be called the junket guy, Howie the junket guy. And if anybody in Toronto wanted to go to Las Vegas, they'd call Howie the junket guy and he put together a flight and all the people and they get money and comps and all kinds, you know, they take really good care of Howie's people. You want to go lose some money in Las Vegas, Howie would help you out. And Howie had a good relationship with the pit boss. And he told me about, he was in the, um, this, is back, this is a story about the 60s. If you think of uh, Casino, that was the scene. He's in the um, office of the pit boss, and the secretary comes in and she says, um, Joe Jablonski's calling from Cleveland. And the pit boss says, who the hell's Joe Jablonski? And she hands him the file and the phone. He goes, Joe, hey, how's it going? Yeah, oh, how's Elaine? We haven't seen you since March. Everything. How's little Eddie? You know what I mean? He's got all the information there. Joe, Elaine, little Eddie, where his daughter goes to school. His son was a pretty good athlete. It's all there, right? So likewise... What you need to do is you need to pick out your targets who have the, the potential to refer at a much higher rate, okay? And you gather all the public domain information on them and you start building a file. Now, it might be that this is somebody you can take to breakfast once a year or you can take to dinner once a year or you can take them to a breakfast twice a year or you can talk to them once in a while. But part of your mission, whenever you talk to them, is to deepen the amount of data you have there. And then you have your assistants create Google alerts around the person's name, a, his wife's hobby, his son's school, his everything. And then when it comes time, you can look and you can say, what would be an astonishing gesture that would recognize this person and that would hit them at the identity level? And that's how you astonish them. So within a couple of years, if you're thorough and strategic and not obnoxious, it's not like every month something goes out. You know, I, I have a client, for example, and he says, yeah, I get a bottle of... Uh, no, I said, I get a box of cigars from this guy, like clockwork. I don't like cigars, which is everything wrong with the golden rule. The golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Even if I don't like cigars, like why not, you know, why not have a high, what goes higher than gold, platinum? Sure, yeah. The platinum rule would be do unto others as they would want to have done to them. 
So if they like cigars, send them cigars. If they like wine, send them wine. And if it's every if it's every month like clockwork, it just becomes another thing. You know, I remember having a stock newsletter and it cost a thousand dollars for a stock newsletter. And it always came out, you know, like the Toronto Star, the same number of pages, you know, and it, the information was devalued by the format, right? At a certain point, I don't know, whatever, I, I, I stopped even reading it. But if your acknowledgements come out once in a while and they're astonishingly prescient because you've done the research and your assistant has done the research and you have 10 people you cultivate, cultivate that relationship with and any one of them could get you huge cases and, get, and could get you cases, you will find that they will notice more. And as a principle of the big dog, because I've done a lot of marketing and I used to do a lot of general marketing, my, my, my experience with presidents of companies is if you give them a $100 gift, they're going to pay you back with at least $10,000 worth. Try it. Great investment. Yeah, you, you get a great ROI if you astonish somebody and you're thoughtful and you give them something really nice and lovely and valuable. Boy, do you, boy they, they will be hardwired to reciprocate, but they're not going to reciprocate at the $100 level. But are you putting these potential referral sources through that referral contract or are you treating that opening differently or? No, because th those are people who know what you are. Okay. If, okay. You're, if you're the personal injury firm, firm, they know that that's what you are. So you don't need to, you don't need to specifically enroll them in a conscious uh, overt undertaking to do a thing. They know who you are. Now you nurture that relationship in a particular way. They know that you're the, you're the personal injury law guy. So it's, it's, it's what's going to make their mind think of you. And then, of course, when they refer a case to you, you thank them lavishly. You put all the focus on what a wonderful person they are and how you're looking after, right? But that's a way to get lawyers more likely to notice more opportunities because the money is not enough. And many of the big dogs don't do it. You know, they don't do it for money. There's some big dogs you would have a commission-based or participation-based relationship and some not. You know, it depends on various dynamics. Totally understandable. So what other, you know, as we get towards the end here, what other tips or insights do you want to make sure that we cover that we haven't been able to get to? Well, let's see. Oh, okay. Dispersal. Dispersal is the greatest overlooked opportunity that law firms can immediately fit. Because what here, what law, there's two big mistakes that law firms make. Give me a second here. Sure. Here's the thing that happens to law firms all the time even the really good ones, which is they, they get a client, maybe they're a high volume firm and they take small cases and God bless them. They can take a small injury. They can take really good care of that person, get them a more than adequate settlement and handle all that and still make a profit. That's amazing. That's an amazing entrepreneur who can create an, an operation like that. You know, So I recognize their genius in running a firm, but here's what'll happen. Two years will go by and here's a person who was nurtured and you were kind to them and you got them a settlement. Everything was wonderful. And then they're in a catastrophic injury and they go, oh, geez, what will I do? And they end up going to another law firm. And that really, really hurts and it really burns. And, it, and the law firm, you know, the owner of the law firm says, why? You know, it hurts and it burns. And the explanation as best I can do it is you caught a soft tissue case. You didn't catch a person fully and you sure as hell didn't catch, capture the social circle. And you sure as hell didn't capture the forever. So part of how to capture forever is how you catch the case in the beginning. And, the, you know, I've got things, I talked to you about a referral contract, but there's things you can do to capture the person more fully. But uh, dispersal is where you capture their forever. 
And dispersal is normally where it all ends, where um, a person has been with you, you win a settlement, they get the check, maybe you get a swag bag, and they're gone. Now, some law firms send a monthly email blast. And you've got to be kidding if you think that's going to sustain and nurture a relationship, a monthly email blast. So do care has to go into how do I nurture the relationship with these wonderful people that we served? How do we make sure that they understand all we represent? And that may have been a small case, but that doesn't matter. And how do we invoke their social circle? So ideally, you want to catch the case in a certain way and end the case in a certain way so that you have the person, you have their social circle, and you have their forever. And the dispersal that I recommend, and I've more or less designed with a lot of variations, is similar to that interview that happened in Philadelphia. It's a debrief on the journey to justice. And um, basically, the, the journey to justice has seven parts. So I'm injured. I get the runaround. I start looking for a lawyer. I go through a process of looking for a lawyer. I figure out what my criteria are, or I don't know what my criteria are. I get with a law firm. There's the conduct of the case. There's the conclusion. And then there's the forever after. And uh, I'm going to give you this because somebody can watch this and take good notes and learn this. Here are five questions that you can use in the dispersal to extract um, a five-star review and to get that person to speak of you in glowing terms and start focusing them on forever. The five questions are, number one, how is it, you know, you say to them, okay, here's what you do. It's all over. Let's make sure that everything is right about the expectations of the settlement. Sign off here. I'm going to get you your check. Then you get you go and you get the swag bag and you put it on the edge of the table and here's the check and make sure everything's right and blah, blah, blah. It's been really, really wonderful. Thank you so much. If you have a few minutes, I have a few questions. If you have to go, that's totally okay. You do have a minute? Okay, I'm going to turn this tape recorder on. Okay. And the swag bag's on the table pre-invoking reciprocity. So you say, okay, how has it been working for us? Now, you might say you first came to us on January the 16th last year. You might do a little bit of pre-framing and that's advanced persuasion. And there's a lot of training involved. And, but you might just simply say, how has it been working for us? That's question number one. Oh, it's been great. I loved you. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, good. Number two, is there anything you didn't like? And I, even if it's a really small thing, I won't be hurt, I promise. And it would really help us to make it better. If you can think of anything you didn't like, gosh, I can't think of anything. That question number two was a palate cleanser or a pattern interrupt. Question number three, if there was one thing that was most excellent in your experience, can you tell me in one sentence what that one thing was and how it affected you? Well, the one thing that's great about your law firm is the, and then they give you what's probably a really good testimonial, far better than anything they would have come up with without that framing. Question number four, is there something you wish we'd done? Some small thing, anything you could think of that would make the process better, easier for you. Can you think of anything? Because it would help us so much. Golly, I can't think of anything. Now, question number five. Watch question number five, because question number five, you're moving into a different universe. Question number five is um, not just asking for feedback, it's asking for adv advocacy. And it goes like this. All right, imagine if somebody you knew was seriously injured and was looking around and considering some not great options. What could you say to them in one sentence so they'd absolutely come to us and we could take care of them properly? Then the person would say, you have to go to this law firm because they're like this, like this, like this, like this. Now you're getting a testimony you'd never get from a person because they're no longer giving feedback. They're just partnering with you to be as persuasive as they can be in the state of that relationship. 
And then you can ask follow-up, oh, wow, that was really great. Can we try one more time? Let me set it up another way. So doing those things uh, circumvents the end. Then you say, look, at, um, here's what we're, and then, you know, we don't have time for me to go into all that stuff. But, but the way that you end the case, it's the beginning of forever instead of the bye-bye. And the way that you follow up, if it's all email blasts, you're just kidding yourself. You cannot sustain, you know, you can't sustain that energy with just an email, the laziest thing in the world. There's, there's more that you have to do. So along those lines, I mean, I, you know, hopefully we're getting towards the end of COVID. Hopefully that's, that's behind us by far and the worst. Does that change what you're talking about here? I mean, is this as effective over a Zoom meeting to, to go through the end of the case or? Well, in, in one way to look at it is no, it's not. And the other way to look at it is the only game in town. Okay. And so um, you have people in your law firm who are good at connecting. You have people, you've seen them, right? If you have 100 people in your law firm, there's somebody who's the most superb connector. If you have 10 people in your law firm, there is the best connector. And so um, a big mistake that I find with law firms is they try to, how do I say, they try to assign something to somebody that's not suited for because they haven't really reflected or meditated deep on the right personality type. Yep. But if you were to find, like, I, I know some superstar connectors and all the best law firms have, connect, have superstars. They have superstar litigators and superstar connectors and superstar. That's how you get a great law firm, period. But if you have a superstar connector and that person's job is to connect deeply with that person and to, and to bond and maintain the bond, right? It's a relationship thing. I'll give you a funny uh, example. Ken Hardison of Pilma, and I'm doing a program with Ken. You know Ken, I'm sure, right? Yep. Pilma. So um, personal injury, law, law management, marketing. They, I spoke at their conference and, and you know, they help lawyers to grow their business and all that sort of thing. So um, when he had an operating law firm, his, his marketing budget, sorry, his advertising and internet budget was $2 million and it brought him 58% of his cases. 2 million, 58%. His client nurture budget, he said it never, never even got close to $20,000. Let's just say $20,000 brought 42% of his cases. So imagine if you nurture your clients for a very, very tiny fraction, about 1% of what you're investing in advertising, and you get 40% of your cases from that. That's pretty significant. The only proviso is it's a pain in the ass unless you choose the right people, right? If you choose real nurturous people who are really kind and connect and all that sort of thing, it's natural for them. So if you're not a hugger, you have to learn how to, you learn, have to, have to, learn how to hire huggers who are going to you know connect like a champion with your clients then you can reach the higher levels of referring awesome all right so let me um let me talk about our next episodes i'll come back to you for our one last golden nugget of wisdom here as we get towards the end of this so next week a little different obviously uh monday is memorial day so we are not going to have a show on monday instead our next episode will be on tuesday that will be our second best of exhibit a attorneys show our favorite moments over the last several months of having the show. That'll be Tuesday at 1.30. And then Thursday at 1.30, we will have uh, Craig Goldenfarb on, five ways to keep employees happy and reduce turnover. Craig runs a very large firm in South Florida and is a great guy as well as a coach for Atticus, a lawyer training program. So he will be with us on Thursday at 1.30. But Tom, I'm not going to let you go until I get this diamond nugget of wisdom here. Um, I'm going to go back and listen to this. You've shared so much great information with us. I'm going to send this to people on my team at the marketing company and law firm to have them incorporate some of this stuff in what we do. But 
for anybody listening who happens to not remember anything from this over the last 50 minutes, what is your biggest piece of advice, the most important thing, the best takeaway for somebody to be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? I have to say to the, to the listeners of this podcast, you're a very, very good extractor of information of strategy. I mean, I, I've drained my bag for you people. You people have gotten stuff that a lot of people paid a lot of money for, a lot of money for. Um, and we want more. Okay. Um, we All want right. More. Greedy, greedy. The yawning, the yawning, what is that? Yawning maw. Okay. Um, training is forever. Training is not once a year for four hours. Training is not once every four years for two days. Training is forever. And if you want to get better at things, here's the thing. If you're a consultant, the easiest way to sell consulting is to find a pain point, poke it with a stick until a person cries, and then they beg you to fix it and you take money and you fix it. The only problem with that is if you want to make the maximum contribution to people, it's not fixing their, their weaknesses. It's, fix, it's improving their strengths. All their leverage is in improving strengths. If you can crank somebody who's an eight at something up to a nine, that's like, boom, that's like a huge contribution than taking something that they're a two at and making them a three. If you're bleeding in some area, stop the bleeding. But if you're really, if whatever you're really good at, Hire consultants to make you better at what you're already good at. That's where you multiply your profit. And with training, you, you take the teams that you've carefully selected that are really good at things and you make them better. So for example, reception, okay? Ideally, reception is somebody who answers the phone like they're saying, I love you, with a smile in their voice. Okay, that's, that's the ideal. Who can do that? I could do that perfectly for five minutes, right? But there are people in the world who could do that every time. You got to find them, you got to build them, you got to train them. Now, if you do that, does that mean that your case is starting off better? Sure. Would it be better to have that in your firm if you could? Sure. Is it a priority? Is it worthwhile to cultivate that if you can? Yes. So how do you train that? How do you set that expectation? How do you set the standard for how the phone is answered? That's one example. Your, um, your uh, case managers, how well they manage rapport. What is rapport? Do they know what it is? Do they know what it looks like and smells like? Do they know how deep rapport can go? If they did a training for one hour a week, every Tuesday at 10 a.m., the power hour, every week, every Tuesday forever, they wouldn't train on the same thing every week, but they train on, on related skills. And every week they train in another skill and you stair-step those skills up through repetition, through uh, spaced reinforcement over time. That's it. That's a million dollar uh, recommendation. You cannot but massively improve if you follow that model. I love it. And hire people who their eights and nines are your twos and threes. And then you've got the, uh, the skills across the board. I mean, we're a whole, it's a whole organization, not just one person. One of the best lawyer entrepreneurs I know is not a hugger. And he's hired the best huggers in the world. Makes perfect sense. All right. So we have smartlawyermarketing.com. We have linkedin.com slash Tom St. Louis. We have facebook.com slash lawyer referrals. Anything yeah. else that we can have so people can stay in touch with you to get more of this wisdom that I haven't uh, no, gotten you, They can find me on the website. I'm there. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at legaleasemarketing.com, E-A-S-E. 